23andMe's Health Plus Ancestry Kit is a personalized tool for understanding how your genes may influence your health. Start the year by learning more about your DNA. Go to 23andMe.com fool to get $30 off each Health Plus Ancestry Kit now through January 31st. It's Tuesday, January 16th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio from Motley Fool Canada, David Kretzman. Back from CES. Made it back. Uh, before we get into CES, because that's all I want to talk about today, Motley Fool Canada, this is a new role for you. You you were with Rule Breakers and Supernova, and you've moved to we've traded you to another country. I've moved up north all the way from the fourth floor to the fifth floor. So that's that's been an adjustment. <laughs> I am I'm still at Full HQ, but yeah, up on the fifth floor now with our global team, specifically focusing on our Canadian uh, members and services there. So and we're actually working on a new service now, which uh, I think people will be hearing about more in the next week or two. So nice. a lot of fun stuff. It to me it just appealed joining our global team. A lot of stuff that the Motley Fool is doing as we increasingly become a global company, trying to spread. Foolishness around the world. So great, great team up there. Excited to have that new opportunity. Fantastic. Let's talk CES because you spent last week in Las Vegas. Uh, this is not your. You've been to CES before. This is my third time, third okay. year in a row. Yeah. It helps when you've been to something that big. Going it, the first time. Oh, at least lost. my experience with with South by Southwest, which is I don't. Th- it's not as big as. Uh, just in terms of the number of people and all that sort of thing. But my my first time at South by Southwest, I just remember there were times where I was like, I, I think I need to go lie down. Oh, it's overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, CES is a similar way. I think this year there were 175,000 people. It covers over two million square feet across the city. So you have the convention centers, the hotels. So you're you're scrambling pretty much the whole time, and you really just have to. Come to terms with the fact that you're not going to see everything, and this year, and you're going to get your steps in. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. T- I was out there with Taylor Muckerman for uh, Motley Fool Canada, and I, I, we we're maybe three quarters uh, through the day, and we we'd done like sixteen thousand steps or something <laughs> like that. So it's a good place to get some exercise in, get your cardio, and then see a lot of cool technology as well. And this year, it was nice, because we weren't really there doing daily dispatches as much. We weren't just regurgitating stuff we saw the day of. We really had more time to walk the floor, think, analyze, and just reflect on what we're seeing and what implications that could have for investors. So, a good time overall. I got to give a plug right off the bat for Industry Focus. On Friday, you're going to be talking to Dylan Lewis for the Industry Focus Technology episode. Um, and because you covered so much stuff, Dylan and I were essentially able to divvy up the topics. Uh, so, so check out Industry Focus this Friday uh, because David will be talking about stuff that we're not going to cover on today's episode. But let's start with autonomous driving. Yeah, where are we now with autonomous driving? Because it seems like we are we are closer, but I don't know how much closer. Yeah, that's the the ultimate question, and I'm honestly not sure if I know <laughs> how much closer we are. Uh, certainly, the technology is improving bit by bit. This year, uh, we got a ride in a self-driving lift, and it wasn't actually because last year we had gotten in a self-driving car, but it was on a pre-mapped course. So you went through some streets, you know, some of the Vegas city streets, but it was you know a pre-mapped course. You knew the route, and I think the, the car had really been programmed with that route in mind. So I don't think there are any left turns with that route, and it was. Impressive, but but still early stages. This year we took a self-driving lift from the convention center over to Caesar's Palace. 
but it wasn't fully autonomous. So you get in expecting, like, you, you, by law, you're still required to have someone in the driver's seat just in case you need to switch from autonomous mode to manual mode. And that happened several times through the trip, especially with things like a left turn. The traffic in Vegas is crazy, especially around CES. So you have some aggressive drivers, and there were several instances where the, the driver in the front seat, she needed to um, take control of the car manually. So, impressive, um, but, but still, the, going through that, I, I still th would take the over, uh, if you're saying within the next five years, a good chunk of cars would be fully autonomous, where you don't need a human in the seat, in, in the driver's seat. I, I'm, I'm thinking that's still five years out, at least. Your personal experience aside, were there statements being given by companies? Were there speeches by any of the keynote speakers that gave any insight into their actual plans for autonomous driving, whether it's as a vendor or a creator. Yeah, NVIDIA continues to steal the show at CES. They gave a keynote um, early on, Sunday night, uh, you know, very early in, in the whole uh, convention, which really started to gear up on Tuesday. Uh, and Interestingly enough, through their, their keynote presentation with founder and CEO Jensen Huang, who last year gave a keynote at CES and I think really stole the show last year, obviously a stock did great, up 80%, I think, last year. Yeah. Um, but in that keynote this year, they, they only briefly touched on video games at the beginning. And mind you, this is a company that's still making the majority of its revenue from video games. So in their keynote presentation, they almost Entirely talked about artificial intelligence and autonomous driving, basically citing a ten trillion dollar opportunity within the transportation industry. Uh, and obviously, artificial intelligence is a component of that, and just really building the the AI uh, autonomous driving platform that powers these vehicles. And then at Nvidia's booth within the convention center, which they host over several days. I didn't see one mention of video games in that booth. It was all AI and all autonomous driving. And I remembered last year seeing NVIDIA's booth, and they, they still had video games essentially front and center. They, they weren't just brushing over it. But if you were just walking up to the booth, you would not know that NVIDIA was a video game company or a company that made the majority of the revenue uh, through these processors to, to power video games. So. That kind of shows you where NVIDIA's head is at as, as a company that seems to have its hands in a lot of these different emerging trends these days, whether it's self-driving cars, video games and esports, artificial intelligence, big data. Uh, and NVIDIA really is trying to become the platform uh, that, that powers the, these vehicles. And I think that that's a compelling way for investors to, to benefit from it, because uh, that, that way you're a little bit more agnostic as to which automaker actually comes out ahead. Uh, but but you do have competition in that space. You have Intel still very much trying to do that. Uh, Tesla has kind of forged its own path, and I think right now it's still hard to say where we are with, with self self driving cars and how far off it is where the majority of cars or certainly a good chunk of cars on the road will be um, fully autonomous. Because I, last year Elon Musk had said that by the end of 2017. There would be a fully autonomous Tesla that drives from the East Coast to the West Coast. I think New York to San Francisco or L.A. That didn't happen, and and he tweeted several weeks ago that saying, "Well, if we don't do it by the end of 2017, it'll be early 2018." But just seeing some of the demos, <laughs> and I mean, so that's kind of the the Elon Musk you know trademark. Yeah. Just yeah, no, no, it'll happen. Maybe just a few months more. But just seeing some of the demos, which. Are incredibly impressive, and I don't want to downplay the technology at all because it is incredible what what these cars can do. It makes me think it's a little bit further out than you know a lot of people might be hoping. Certainly for a mass market and outside of Silicon Valley. 
I'm not a Tesla shareholder. I'm rooting for the ideas that Elon Musk uh, has been backing for so long. But I sort of feel like at this point, I, I feel like we've reached the point where t- Tesla's motto is, you know, moving the goalpost. It's like Tesla moving the goalpost since 2011. Yeah, I think if you're a Tesla shareholder, prospective shareholder, you just assume when they have a target date. Push it back a few months or a year, and that'll be a little more realistic. I want to get to the voice stuff in a second, but real quick, any update on drones? Was there a big presence there? Because when you and I were going back and forth, you were still on the West Coast, or no, you were you were in Vegas, I guess. Um, you've done some traveling in between, so that's that's where my <laughs> I've been all over the place. Is. You yeah. have been all over the place, um, but we were going back and forth on Slack. Uh, just some of your early takeaways, and and one of them was the uh, 3D printing was almost non-existent. What was the presence like for drones? Yeah, for for drones, there was a surprising amount of companies showcasing drones. Like really, to me, almost identical to the past couple years. And to me, that's surprising because I feel like the the drone market hasn't become any more mainstream. Like you still have people who enjoy using drones just as a hobbyist, or you have um, you know uh, photographers or people capturing video with drones. But that's still a, a niche market, and I think there are some industrial applications as well. If you're trying to survey. A farm or an industrial site or whatever it might be, but I was surprised that drones were still really as prominent as they've been the past couple of years, and still took up a good chunk of the convention space where they were at. There was something that was really cool, which was an underwater drone, which I didn't even know existed. So this is basically a drone that can go underwater. I don't know if it's technically a drone, but it's basically a device that can go underwater uh, and do some cool things. It seems really unfair for the fish, if you're fishing the fish and you have a camera and you basically just go wherever the fish are and then plunk your reel there. So, that seems like an unfair advantage for for the fishermen. But, uh, yeah, anyway, so I'm still not really sure what takeaways um, I have for drones, but to me, it it seems like something I'm not really sure if it's sustainable, because you just saw GoPro uh, about uh, just several days before CES, they announced that they're shutting off their their Karma drone division, they're laying off more people. Obviously, a lot of other issues going on at GoPro, but (laughs) even GoPro, they still had a big booth, and they were still showcasing the Karma drone, which was a little bit of a head scratcher to me. Like I don't know if they're just in denial that they had just laid off a lot of people and shut down the drone division. Someone but, didn't get the memo. Yeah. So anyway, drones still very prominent, but as an investor, I'm not any more excited. Google had a big presence at CES this year, according to pretty much every report I saw. And among other things, they were really pushing the or I shouldn't say pushing, they were they were highlighting their home assistant. And it seems like there was an even bigger presence for voice activation. Yeah, I would say if there was one big overarching theme that wasn't so present last year, it's definitely voice. Uh, you have every big tech company from Google to uh, Samsung to Baidu to Alibaba, uh, obviously Amazon. All of them were were showcasing uh, their their voice assistants, and a lot of device ma- makers, on the other hand, were showcasing that they're compatible or integrated with all these voice assistants. So it was a big theme all around. Google um, had had took out a, a bunch of, of ad space, you know, on the Las Vegas monorail, um, different hotels, and just all over uh, the convention space. The Google Assistant was very prominent. 
And uh, yeah, I, I think that that's an interesting space to watch because there, there were also um, a, a lot of robotics there at, at CES, and I can see where you know you kind of see a convergence of these voice assistants, and as these kind of robot physical assistants become more and more um, capable of what they can do within the home, I think a combination of those two things, and you're really getting to the ET AI future that we all. Either no one love or, or, or we're excited about, or we're really fearful about. We're, either way, we're terrified by. <laughs> right. Uh, quick break to say thanks to Twenty Three and Me for sponsoring this episode of Market Foolery. Twenty Three and Me's Health Plus Ancestry Kit is a personalized tool for understanding how your genes could influence your health. You just send in a small sample of your saliva, and you'll receive more than seventy-five online reports on topics like lactose intolerance, genetic weight how your genes may impact your risk for certain diseases, and a lot more. So, start the year by learning more about your DNA. Go to 23andMe.com slash fool, and you'll get $30 off each Health Plus Ancestry kit now through January 31st. That's the number 23andme.com slash fool. Let's talk about what I like to call the day CES died, which is the Two-hour blackout that occurred at the convention center, and there's there's something wonderfully delicious about. <laughs> and I say that as someone who was not there. I'm sure for some people who were there, it was it was scary. Uh, but where were you? For those who who did not hear, there was a blackout at the convention center for a couple hours one afternoon. Where were you when this happened? So this was when late Wednesday morning, early afternoon on Wednesday. Uh, I was at the Westgate Hotel, so we were on the other side of town in, within the hotels, which weren't affected by the blackouts. But Monday, over the course of Monday and Tuesday, there were record amounts of rain in Las Vegas. There was about an inch and a half of rain uh, within the span of those, you know, 36 hours or so. And this is for uh, a city that hadn't had any rain for 116 days, and their annual average rainfall is anywhere between two and four inches. I was going to say, so, for most cities, that's a lot of rain in 36 hours. Yep. If you're a city that's not even remotely used to getting rain, that's that's scary. Yeah, it became apparent pretty quickly that Vegas is not a city built for that amount of rain. Uh, there are leaking roofs everywhere, whether in the the hotel, <laughs> walking through the convention center. You had you'd just be walking around and feel a drop of water coming from from the ceiling. And as <laughs> you go around the convention floor, they're just buckets uh, that are they're collecting the water. So you're seeing this incredible, you know, looking at this 8K TV, and then you know, just a few feet away, you have a, a bucket just collecting the, the raindrops. That's <laughs> low that's, low tech solution. Hey, you know, the, the blending of the blurring of the lines between low tech and high tech. So yeah, there was something very beautifully ironic about that. But uh, yeah, so I wasn't actually at the convention center for for the blackouts. But yeah, that record amount of rainfall really did a number on, on the city. <laughs> What was the craziest thing you saw? The weirdest thing? The thing? And and just for folks who haven't been listening to Market Foolery for very long, uh, if you could just remind people of last year's uh, crazy highlight from CES. Yeah. So last year was Edwin the the Smart Duck, which was essentially a Bluetooth speaker within a rubber ducky. So you can have it in. You know, in the tub with you, or you know, wherever it might be, and you essentially can just speak to it. It can play some tunes, play a podcast, and just there's just something Why really not? wonderful. Yeah, a, a rubber ducky that can talk to you. Did That's Edwin great. make a returning appearance? 
I didn't see Edwin, so okay. that, that was that was a letdown. I might have to, to Google to see. Hopefully, the company behind Edwin is still around because that's a product I think the world needs. What did you see this year that made you just do a double take? There, there were a lot of cool stuff within robotics, and I, I think with robotics there was some stuff that was so delightful, and then on the other end of the spectrum there's stuff that you really wish would work, but yeah, the technology isn't quite there. So on on the latter end of the spectrum there was stuff that I would love. As, as a consumer, but the technology still has some work to do, is a laundry folding robot. And that's just something like, man, if, if that could be an automated you know, element of my life, that would be fantastic. I'm not going to complain with that. But the, the product itself, I, I heard it was, uh, I think it was about $16,000. And it's basically, <laughs> yeah, and it's a closet that very slowly, um, and in not such an impressive way, uh, fold, folds the laundry. But I could see maybe three or five years down the road, maybe you get to the point where you don't need a, you know, $10,000 plus closet. Maybe it can just go in the laundry room and fold up your laundry for you. Then on the other end of the the spectrum, there is a, a robot that plays ping pong with you. And um, the the I, I talked to a woman who who works with a company who's they they were showcasing a lot of different aspects of what robotics can do, and she was explaining that the robot isn't built to demolish any human competition. It's actually there to help you improve as a player. So you can set the robot on different settings uh, and just to, as a way to perfect your game by playing with a robot. And I, I, to me, that just kind of opened my mind to the different possibilities of robotics within the home or just improving performance in general. And it, it was just impressive seeing a robot where you, it, was, it was a big setup over the table and you just saw the, the paddle move independently and you know, automatically, uh, as it would play against a human player. So, kind of a cool application, not immediately relevant to a lot of people, but I think you could see that sort of um, robotic, you know, performance-enhancing, you know, tasks uh, more and more in the years ahead. Does the robot have the ability to go get the ping pong ball when it goes past? The robot and it's like, are the is the robot able to pick it up off the floor, or do I have to do that? Because that's, <laughs> that's still a human task, I, unfortunately. I, okay. I mean, I, I like this idea, and I think uh, my first thought when you started talking about it was, oh, I wonder what this costs because I could I could absolutely see this being something that at least a few of our colleagues make the case like we need one of these at Full HQ. No, certainly. I I think you'll see uh, see see more of that and. Within robotics, the actual like home robot assistants, I think you still need a lot of work. Like really, you need specialized robots for you know vacuuming with the Roomba. You have some lawnmower um, robotic uh, lawnmower robots, uh, but I think we're still a ways away from having just a general personal robotic assistant that can do a variety of tasks and do them well. But up to this point, you know, still need those specialty niche. Robots, but pretty cool to see see that technology, and you know, still a few years off for for a lot of these technologies or trends. But just getting a sense for where the world might be headed and uh, what companies might be driving it, always a lot of fun. David Kretzman, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.